Hello and welcome to Home to Her, the podcast that's dedicated to reclaiming the lost and stolen wisdom of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Liz Kelly, and on each episode, we explore her stories and myths, her spiritual principles, and most importantly, what this wisdom has to offer us right now. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome. I am your host, Liz, joining you as usual from Central Virginia and the unceded lands of the Monica Nation. And I am so glad that you are here with me today. And hey, here is your reminder that my new book, Home to Her, Walking the Transformative Path of the Sacred Feminine, is now available for pre-order from Womancraft Publishing. Wahoo! This book is my love letter. To, thank you. <laughs> this book is my love letter to the sacred feminine and all that she's taught me. I'm so excited. I'm honestly, still a little in shock that she's almost out in the world. Um, you can pre-order from womancraftpublishing.com. And if you order before, I think it's September 22nd, 2022, you can get access to some fun freebies that include um, a recorded great mother meditation, which is based on my own practice. And then you'll also get an invitation to join me and Womancraft founder, Lucy Pierce, who will be turning the tables and interviewing me about writing this book and what are some of the insights I've gotten from hosting this podcast. And we'll be taking your questions too. Fun, fun, fun. So I will put all of this in the show notes and now let's be on with it, shall we? All right. So something I've wanted to do for some time is have an author join me who is exploring the world of the sacred feminine from the realm of fiction. And I'm excited that my guest today has done exactly that. I love her new book for so many reasons. First, because it's just a lovely story, but also because it provides a beautiful imagining of what a life gently and purposefully steered by sacred feminine wisdom can actually look like right here and now in our modern times and in the world today, which I think honestly is something that we need so much more of. So let me go ahead and introduce her to you. Elsbeth Gould is the author of the new book, The Well of Truth, which incorporates elements of fantasy, mysticism, and lore to follow a female heroine through poignant moments of her adult life. Through the initiations of marriage, raising children, getting divorced, going through menopause, losing loved ones, and ultimately making an independent life for herself, she gains insight and spiritual wisdom from unexpected places. Elspeth received a BA in art history from Stanford University and worked for several years in the old master's art world in New York City before getting a master's in education from Syracuse, Syracuse University in New York. That's right, right, Elspeth, SUNY? St State, U State University. <gasps> How dare I say Syracuse? Forgive <laughs> me, SUNY people. You can clearly tell that I don't know anything about my New York universities. <laughs> That's so funny. I saw the initials and I was like, well, that's Syracuse, obviously. All right, so she got her master's degree from SUNY, and as an elementary school teacher, she found her passion in mentoring girls at puberty and working with their families to better understand this important rite of passage. For many years, she was the director of a nonprofit dedicated to positive menstrual and menopausal education and awareness. It is her joy to help women and girls understand and appreciate the intelligence of the female body and its connection to the cycles of the natural world. The themes in the Well of Truth grew out of Elspeth's experiences as a mother, teacher, and menstrual advocate. And the stories incorporate her love of art, travel, mythology, goddess traditions, trees, and the moon. Although she's a California native, 
Elspeth feels most at home in Aotearoa or New Zealand, where she currently lives and where she is joining us from today. Elspeth, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you, Liz. Oh. Yeah, it's SUNY. Okay. It was like a rookie podcaster move. I'm supposed to do a little bit of more research. I was like, no, I know this. I'm like, no, I, I don't know this, clearly. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded Syracuse. That would have been cool, too. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, all right, well. Um, I usually start with most people getting a sense of their spiritual background and part of it's just because I'm curious and also part of it is because I find that um, it just seems to be a rare person whose spiritual path started them off on the right way. <laughs> so I like to hear, <laughs> so I like to hear kind of the evolution. Um, so I wonder uh, if you could just tell me a bit about your own spiritual background, what that was like growing okay. up. Great. Uh, so I grew up in a very devout Catholic family. Okay. a large family. And um, I will say, although I'm not a practicing Catholic now, I did receive the gifts of um, learning about devotion mm. and reverence. And, uh, you know, my mom had a, um, a May shrine in our home for the month of May, which was uh, like a shrine to Mary. Mm. And we'd, we'd, you know, she always had fresh flowers and we'd say our devotions to Mary. So uh, that was for me, a very strong connection with the divine feminine in the form of Mother Mary. And, uh, and even though as, as I, when I grew up and went off to university, uh, I felt the um, limitations of that tradition that I had been brought up in, I, it, it kind of spurred me forward to discover other cultures and that had perhaps a feminine component to them. And when I was in my early 20s, did a year backpacking through Asia and, you know, studying Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism. And for me, that was really quite eye-opening to, to see all the different aspects and qualities of the feminine in uh, spiritual traditions. So that, that would just kind of piqued my interest and you know then I went off later to kind of continued self-study and um, and you know read all of the women who run with wolves and all of the Jean Shinoda Bolin books about goddesses and you know I just loved more and more finding out about these you know traditions that that exist all around the world. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was, I was going to ask you, this is my next question, I guess, was there, well, did you know, did you know Mary as the divine feminine at that time? Did you kind of recognize her as such when you were younger? Or was that understanding of this concept of the divine feminine, is that someone that something that showed up later? Uh, I would say conceptually it showed up later. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that's kind of fun and mystical about Catholicism is that, you know, you pray to different saints for different things yeah. or, um, or, you know, for different um, qualities so that, you know, there's, there's Bridget, there's um, St. Barbara, there, you know, there's, there's so many different St. Elizabeth, there's all, all, a whole variety of them. And, but Mary is like, she's just, the mom who holds it all. And so I always felt connected to her, but I didn't consciously say like, oh, 
she's the feminine face of God. Mm-hmm. It's it, that that came later, um, but I just knew that I had a connection to her, and yeah. that she was a you know she healed and she was unconditional and loving, and so all of those qualities that she had, I internalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was there a particular point that you feel like you became aware of this idea of the divine feminine or was it more just like a gradual understanding or how, how did that kind of play out for you? Hmm. Oddly enough, I would say that, that the more that I connected to the natural world is when I started to see that feminine aspect in everything. Mm. So I grew up, you know, cities, um, but not a lot of kind of wild spaces. So I, I can relate to the experience that Grace had in the first chapter of The Well of Truth, where she's all of a sudden in this place where she can see this wide vista and it's all there's no roads and there's no cars and there's no cell towers and and all of a sudden she's just aware of the natural elements and so for me connecting to the divine feminine is was intricately linked to the way i felt myself as part of the natural world and I, I couldn't give you an exact date or time, but but that's how it evolved for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I think that mirrors what I've heard from a lot of other guests here, that it was there's there's this intertwining of those two ideas, or that um yes, that it was sort of the earth as and I don't even know if they would all say that earth is mother or whatever, but the earth is sort of that relationship with the earth is the opening towards understanding this this feminine presence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For you, would you say that was? Yes, I would say, um, I I would say that, um, that the woods always felt more like church to me than church. Um, (laughs) That I'd never really had spiritual experiences inside a church. Not really. I, 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 but I would feel that sense of wonder and awe out in the world. And then I would say that sort of my awakening to divine feminine wisdom almost just went on on track with the natural world. Like they fueled each other. Like the more I learned Mm. about the sacred feminine, the more I wanted to be out in nature. And the more I was in nature, the more I felt her presence and like they, they've kind of gone together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you too, like, you know, um, I've kind of taken to asking guests as well, like if, if this language works for you, you know, sacred feminine is, it's the language I use. And I also understand that it doesn't work for everybody, but um, is this like who, or what is the divine feminine, sacred feminine to you now? And if you wouldn't use, and I know that's like, right. How do you put words around such a large idea? But, um, and also if you wouldn't use that language, like what might you use instead? Mm. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a big question. It is, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, you, you know, ultimately, it's beyond gender. Right. It's um, 
I mean, I just think of like the energy uh, that is that is all inclusive, loving, um, holding, protecting, creative, beautiful. Uh, for some people, that can be the divine masculine as well. So, so it's it's whatever is that which is sustaining, nurturing, uh, revivifying all of those things that uh, augment and support life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, uh, you know, it just it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But for our purposes of human to human, trying to understand some very specific aspects of life and how, for instance, um, my experience as a, as a, a woman who gave birth, I have a particular set of experiences that that the, the father of my children might not necessarily have. Right. So, you know, it's, everything is, everything is linked and connected. Um, and, and it feels like that more of the masculine principles are, are what are so extant in our culture that, yeah. That that the that the the more um, nurturing, compassionate, holding features of the feminine, I feel like they they have to be brought in, or, yeah. you, you know, just to kind of make the the playing field level. Yes, you know. Yes, I do. I know ex- exactly what you mean, and. I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too, this idea of balancing, you know, like um, a balancing of energies. And because uh, I know for me, like it's in hosting the show and talking about the sacred feminine, I'm not necessarily imagining some like reversed world in which there is, you know, it's not like let's keep the structure, but just throw goddess at the top and it's all good. Like it, it is something right. about like a an absence that, well, she's not really absent, but you know, like a, a, a longing, like an, an aching for something that we are clearly yes. missing and, and, for, yes. and answering that longing. Yeah. Yes. I once uh, read a quote by Mary Wollstonecraft oh, that, yeah. um, and, and she said, you know, women don't want power over men. They just want power over themselves. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's, that's kind of the picture that, um, that it shouldn't be okay. You guys have been in charge for a while now. We're taking over. No, there needs to be something that's uh, neither nor. That's more inclusive of of the the skills and the gifts and the qualities of all the various aspects of uh, who we are. Yeah. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know if I feel um, inspired or depressed that a bit that Mary Wollstonecraft was talking about this since she was, you know, <laughs> hundreds of years ago, but I guess yeah. it would make sense that uh, women knew even then that uh, there was something severely out of whack and she just yes. had the privilege of access to education and a pen to yep. express it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mm. want to ask you about, um, I want to ask you about your book. 
Well of okay. Truth. And congratulations. I know it's your first book, oh, right? Yes. So yes. yes. So tell me about how it how it came to be and uh, what okay. what what the story's about and how the sacred feminine kind of weaves her magic into this book. Okay. Well, it I since I was a little girl, I loved keeping a journal. And probably because I had four brothers at home and I just needed some place that was for me. So I I like to write and to this day the if I can have a moment to sit down with a cup of tea in a journal, like to me, that's a good time. Uh-huh. That's like a sacred refuge, just journal time. And uh so the stories really came out of journal writings. Um it's a loosely autobiographical book, uh, but there were some, you know, very poignant, significant moments in my life that I, uh, that when I had my kids were little, and I, and I thought, oh my God, I need, I need some kind of creative outlet, you know, other than changing diapers all the time and, you know, feeding and washing clothes. I just, I, I think I'm just gonna write some short stories, and so I just took one at a time and I and and I would just take a kernel of something from my journal and then I would work on it and because I was I had no deadlines or no goals I they just just kind of blossomed in their own time and when I had when I had about six stories that I liked I shared them with a friend and she said oh they're they're really they're really good stories you should you know, think of publishing them and, or, or keep going and, you know, ultimately publish them. So I thought, well, maybe, but it was never really something that I thought was, that was going to happen. And then just over the years, I added more and more stories and then it be, you know, the more I worked on it, the more it became like a project that I could hold on to that like, oh, this is this thing I'm doing. And, and it um, enriches my my creative and spiritual life to be to be doing this and and i can have like i said a kernel of of story but then i can change it and so it was for me it was very um cathartic to be able to look at some like a a story that was maybe difficult like going through divorce or losing a friend and and then imagining it from a different context and that the wisdom of a mythological character of a goddess could meet me and share something you know with my soul and and so it became this this conversation that appears to be between myself and this other being outside myself until she gets you know starts to understand that it's all in her anyways uh-huh. all of this lives in her and and hopefully for the reader of the book that you can see yes this is you know my story is your story and your story is uh you know guided by all all of the wisdom that lives inside of you uh-huh. and to and to um have have the um encouragement to go to to look inside and to find them and we can do whatever we want with the stories they don't have to we don't have to be victims of our stories we can be the heroines of our stories Uh and so um so that's kind of how it you know 
came together as far as like the the actual work and then my inner process of of needing these these elements of myself or of the character the main character of the story yes oh i love that well and so grace right she's um, yes she it was kind of fun to read because each each chapter sort of um they're linked together but they're also kind of standalone in a way you know they're sort of like short stories that are woven into um a narrative of of her life right and it's it's sort of fun as right. you're reading it to see like i wonder who's going to show up to her so each one you know so there's right. there's sort of this divine guidance that shows up to to be with her in both large and small moments throughout her life and and i'm i'm curious how those divine forces um whether that was like you know this fabulous tree goddess that shows up at her wedding or you know to um you know, whichever ones that appear, you know, like how was that kind of an organic thing or did they sort of reveal themselves to you slowly over time as well? Or how did those stories weave their mm. way into it? Mm. First, I want to say good pickup that the, that the stories are kind of standalone because that's really what they were mm. and then woven together. I, originally, I thought that maybe it would be like a little book of meditations where you could just open to a story and, and you didn't have to read the other ones, you know, sequentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, w- when I'd start a story, I didn't know who was going to show up. Mm. And, I, you know, pretty, pretty clearly who wanted to show up made themselves known. So I was as much in the, uh, the unknowing as well like okay well there's a story and it starts off and she's doing this and then (laughs) uh, and i often i you know walk my dog but i often would take the story with me on my on my morning walk and just just kind of hold it loosely and and there always something would come in that would give me another breadcrumb to okay all right well she's gonna do this i don't know Okay. And and then it would start to make sense over time. But sometimes things would come in my dreams mm. and I'd be like, oh, it's Kali who's going to be in this story. Or, mm-hmm. you, you know, there were all these different ways of um, receiving the information mm-hmm. and or reading a book. I'm like, oh, what is that? So, uh, so it, it, it was pretty, a pretty organic process, I'll say. Okay. Well, and I wonder if this is maybe not the, like, is this a good question to ask an author? If, like, did you have favorite goddesses that showed up? Or is that playing favorites? I don't know. Are there any of them, you know? <laughs> well, uh, if a lightning bolt strikes me right now, uh. then uh, you'll know the answer. You know, I, to, to, um, to be honest, I felt that the goddess that, showed up in the beginning of the book, the tree goddess, mm-hmm. she, she was, she was um, the patron saint of the project, and and she made herself known to me in in many different ways. She she showed up and gave me her name, and I didn't know what you know what that was. And then I went and did some research. I'm like, oh yeah, Etain, who in in Gaelic would be Edeen, but she's the goddess of shape shifting and. Uh, wells and trees and 
uh, you know, beauty and love. She, she's, she's tremendous. And I, I didn't know her before, but I've gotten to know her through this project. Mm, yes. And that was a name that wasn't familiar to me either. So I, mm. I loved that. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say something else. No, oh, I was gonna say, but everybody, every, every uh, character that showed up in the book, I, I love them in their own, in their own, um, this, you know, the skills and the, and the qualities that they bring are, are so magnificent. They're just, they're different. I really, who showed up that I wasn't expecting was the green man. Yes. I, I wasn't expecting him because I thought, oh, we were sort of going on the trend of goddess and then the green man shows up and I'm like, high five, dude. I'm so happy you're here. You know, he, he, he really wanted to be a part of it. Oh, I love that. Well, and now I want to ask you to, um, so it's just for listeners, I know Elspeth and I have been on the same um, priestess path. So I've had Arielle Spilsbury, who's the founder of the Sanctuary of the Open Heart and the 13 Moon Mystery School on the show. I've had one of my sisters, Lisa Grace, who was on, I think back in 2020, I don't know, maybe 2021 last year. Um, but Elspeth has also walked that path as well. Um, and so I'm, I don't know, mentioning the green man made me think of this. I, how in, I don't know how that sort of your own priestess path, has that kind of lined up with the writing of the book and did that influence any of it? Or um, did those things kind of intertwine together? Or was, how did that, how did that play out? You know, the, the priestess path and the work with Ariel has been for me such a formative thing. Yeah. Um, for so many years, as a younger woman, I really and truly longed to be in the company of others who were holding that kind of archetypal space and awareness and that expanded way of looking at the world we live in. And I loved the fact that it was very esoteric and also very practical mm -hmm. and that that these energies from all of these different traditions, you can feel them. They are real. It's not just something that people talk about. Yes. It's, it's an embodied thing. And, uh, and working with, with the 13 moon mystery school has been very much a practicing, practicing and a remembering of this knowledge and this experience that uh, is timeless. And so uh, I would definitely say that, that my, uh, my book is anchored in that embodied awareness of how these um, divine archetypes work and, and live in us. And I wanted it to be that I wanted to be a woman who was going through very real experiences. And how do you bridge to this other realm it's not so hard it's not so far away it's it's here with us yes. and available all the time yes and i think that was one of my favorite things about the book was that um it can feel well and i i to, for me and i'd be curious if you had the same experience but for example so part of being doing the 13 moon mystery school priestess 
initiation is you spend a significant time amount of time in temple and that is really oh such valuable time but it is also time out of time like you are very you, you are you have stepped in between worlds as they would say right like and so and then you re-enter when I did it I my kids were little I mean they were I think three and six you know so yeah. it, there was that uh, it wasn't a disconnect but there was always the question of how do I fuse and blend these things together because what you're experiencing in the temple is this beautiful sacred time and we just don't right. live in a world that operates in that way and so this is one of my favorite things about the book is it felt very modern very current you know she's experiencing mm. all these things like you know like uh bratty teenagers and you know social media and like this and that and and yet there's this divine feminine that's woven mm. into mm -hmm. it you know which is like right. I think whether or not you intended it that way, it felt very instructional or just like, right. just like what you just said, you said that it, it can be done. Like you can put these things together. Right. And, and, uh, you know, for the listeners that whether or not you've experienced something like that, you know, being in a, a temple of timelessness, anytime you go on a retreat or uh -huh. a weekend away where you feel that you get, um, you you get a more expanded uh, vision of your life or just um, a nurturing space to to come back to uh, the you know the dripping faucet and the you know the car that's not working and the the kids it it can be really hard and i think that's probably one of the biggest struggles is merging the three dimensional realm with the spiritual and the soul realm and and you know sometimes sometimes i get it sometimes i don't and yes. it's it's all okay we're just we're constantly finding that our path between these different ways of being yes and i guess one other thing i loved about the book too is that grace you know because of who she is it seems like she's not really seeking this stuff out it's just coming to her right. and right. so i felt that that was a powerful message too right? That the idea of surrender, like it's already here. Like even if we, yes. even if we live in a world that doesn't seem to orient itself to the sacred in any way, that doesn't mean it's not here. That's right. And, and I would actually um, issue a kind of challenge to everyone, yeah. which, you know, I see it for myself that the, the world is constantly giving messages, but it's a matter of me being open to listen uh, I'll give you an example. A, a good friend of mine passed away and, uh, and it was the date of his, uh, the, his death date. And I was on the freeway sitting in traffic and I was thinking about him and, and I, and I looked at the truck right in front of me and it said, hi from JJ. Um, and that was his name. And, and I just, I was, how could that be written on the back of a truck? And I'm sitting here stuck in traffic. I can't see anything else in front of me except that sign. Mm. And so, so uh. I, I, I guess sometimes I think that those who are no longer in bodies, that they can't, they can't reach out to us in exactly the same way. So they maybe have to use other things that are available in our sphere to to reach us um 
but I, anyways, I would issue this challenge of like, if you just slow it down a little bit, not rushing around so much and just kind of look, look around, you might notice things that like, wow, why, why do I keep seeing pictures of lions everywhere? Or, you know, what, what does this mean? And then you get kind of, you get kind of curious, like, oh, why does this keep happening? Or why do I keep noticing it's, um, you know, 3.33? And you know, every time I looked at the clock, it's 3.33. So, you know, there's all these like little things that are like a treasure hunt. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I like to look at it. It makes, um, it keeps me engaged with the non-linear aspects of this experience the magical. Mm -hmm. Do you have, do you have experiences like that? Well, yes. And I was also going to say like, it makes life more fun, doesn't it? Oh, I heck mean yeah. Cause fun, we need fun. It's pretty heavy out there, you yeah. know? So the, the ways that we can enliven and enrich, just bring the joy, bring the, the sparkle. Yeah. It's good. Really yes. good. Yes. I was thinking of what, um, there was a guest that was on, I don't know, uh, um, a few months ago, Molly Reamer. She's the founder of Bridges Grove. They make these wonderful little goddesses. Oh. And um, and she's also a writer too. She wrote a book about a journey that she did, almost a year-long journey with the goddess Persephone. But she talks, oh, wow. yeah, it was really wonderful. But um, she, it, she talks a lot about everyday magic and like just the idea of why not, why not believe in it? Like it's more fun to... <laughs> <laughs> to make your life a treasure hunt than not right like uh, exactly it, so you know if the if the lions and the 333 are showing up randomly so what like <laughs> yeah that's cool and then and then yeah. and then you can you can make a, a a story or a conversation you can create whatever you want yeah with it yeah totally. and um i don't know if you ever read uh rob bresney's books uh, about you know the universe conspiring to help you you know the, the whole idea that like the world wants you to succeed so there are always these things that are uh, available you know and and all that's really being asked of us is to express gratitude and to uh, marvel and to feel the joy and that's the gateway into all manner of possibilities Yes. Yes. I love that. Um, I'm familiar with um, his newsletter, I think. And I know because Ariel oh, yeah. has mentioned it several times too. Yeah. And and for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, I'm going to put all this in the show notes. So not to worry. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is just the, the, the nice, uh, one of the things that I really liked about the book is so you're following this journey through Grace's life. And there's a very seasonal cyclical feel to it right like this respect of cycles and that everything kind of has a rhythm and a flow um and that nothing is staying the same and i'm right which you actually start the book with this beautiful poem called change right. that um yeah i just loved but um i wonder if you could speak to that that idea of the the wisdom of cycles because i would also imagine that that played into your work as an educator around 
you know, menstruation as well and, and right. menopause. So I wonder if you can, could speak to that idea a bit. Okay. It's my favorite, <laughs> my favorite subject. So oh, good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to just rein me in. Uh, it feels to me that the one lesson that is good to know as a human on this journey is that change is inevitable. Like that is the nature of our lives on earth, in nature, in ourselves. And so things are always changing. And the less I can resist it, you know, the more that I can feel it and, and acknowledge, you know, the good times, the bad times, the, um, the changing of seasons, then I can, I can be more flexible and live more in harmony with everything. Cause I'm not trying to make something happen or not happen. Um, and truly my work with uh, menstrual and menopausal advocacy really centered about that. Like our, our, the, the female biological body is it's like four seasons in, in a month. Like it's illustrating all of these things that are happening in the, in the outside world. And, and the, the trick is to get in alignment to know like, okay, this is, this is um, my springtime when I'm, when I'm pre-ovulation and then, you know, when I ovulate this like summertime and it's, it's like a psycho spiritual connection with the physical body. And then when we, when we bleed, that's, you know, it's like the depth of winter and to just let ourselves feel that. So that I, I, it seems that there's so much wisdom that we can learn from the way our bodies work. And then watching that, if you can, if you're aligned with the cycles of the out, you know, of the natural world and, and get yourself there, then it just, it just makes everything that much more uh, magnificent, you know, because, because you're feeling yourself part of the bigger picture and, and it makes it possible for intuition to flow more fully and uh, awareness and, compassion and love it just opens up all the channels so uh, change change and flow liquid movement seems to be the the overriding story everything is in flow all the time do you feel that um you know, as someone who, well, and you shared with th this with me before, so that, you know, someone who's already moved through menopause now, like, does that, does that change? Do you feel like once you have, are on the other side of menopause, do you feel like you've, because there's that obvious, like constant right. cycle growing yes. of like, I'm ovulating, I'm bleeding. I'm like, I'm going through this over and over again, that that stops, you know, but do you, do you feel that cyclical nature still, or do you feel it in a different way? What is that like? That is a million dollar question uh, because when you're, when you're in the cycle, yeah. you, you're, you know it very well. But then when you don't have it, it's like taking the training wheels off where <laughs> once again, you become, you become the cycle, you, you know, it, it lives in you, but you don't have those markers 
the same kind of markers that you would have had, you know, oh, I'm premenstrual or, oh, I'm ovulating. So I, I often find now that I need to really connect with the moon phases to keep, just to kind of help remind me because, um, because it's not, it's not the same. And, and, um, a couple of friends and I are working on doing some collecting anecdotal stories from women who are beyond their cycling years to see like, what part of that, like, are you, do you still feel that you're, um, you know, working off this invisible cycle and, and and what part of it is that you're just, you're just uh, tuned into everything that's happening. I don't know. Mm. So, so yeah, that's something that I'm really curious about and we'll, we'll see what happens because we live in this world where there's, you know, electricity and we're inside and may not feel the full force of the the elemental changes. And, and so you have to work a little, a little more to make that connection. Yes. Yes. And I I was also thinking too, but I, I do wonder if in some ways, um, you know, I don't know, but applause to the, the, the women to me that are, are rare who cycle with the moon. I don't know. Like I, I think it's a beautiful, it's never, it's never happened for me personally. Like I think that's, that's great if it works in your life that way. But if, um, if that doesn't happen for you, then you're sort of watching your own cycle and then you're watching like the cycle of the moon. And then you're watching like the cycle of the seasons and they can almost be, they're not competing with each other, but like, they're not necessarily in sync and so, right. and so you're like, okay, like it's a full moon, but I'm bleeding. Like, how does this feel? Like what, what's happening with me energetically right. right now and which one is which. And so I could almost see in a way, if that was your experience and you're no longer in the, the cyclical nature of like your own cycle, if you are able to tune in a little bit more easily to the natural world or just right. feel yourself in sync with the natural world. Right. Okay. So I, I just want to say this. Um, that there you know are people that talk about oh how it was back in the day when all the women bled together at the new moon and we were all so connected and the world was blah 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 great love it but you know what we don't need to heap more shame on ourselves because we're not doing it the right way that oh i'm bleeding at the the full moon it's to me that feels so unhelpful that you bleed when you bleed it's a normal natural healthy part of your life experience and um, you know they they do say that women either have their cycles at, at, at one pole or another so it's either full or new not so much on the quarter moons but it's at one pole or another. And, and so much of that is tied into the, the, our lifestyles are so different. Um, you know, the modern lifestyle and, and, and it doesn't really, I don't think it really matters why all that matters is that you're connecting with your body. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. All the other stuff just makes you feel bad about yourself. 
Yeah, such yeah, such a good point too. Um, right, and I'm remembering too reading something about light pollution. You know how that changes our connection to the moon, and yeah. most of us are in pretty well lit areas. You know, we're not. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, and even, you know, I, um, I'm here in a place where you can get dark skies and, you know, you see the Starlink going across the sky and there's all tons of satellites and that's different. And, and I, I think the, I think it kind of comes down to that myth of purity. Like we all want to like have everything in, in it's like very best way and that's not really that's just really not possible at this at this point in time we do the best we can we 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 try to hold a space that's as clear and cohesive and coherent as possible but i don't think we i don't think it helps us to be chasing unrealistic or unattainable things yeah how do you feel about that? That's that's just my take, because I'm 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 on the fun train. I'd rather have <laughs> rather have fun than trying to be perfect. Well, you know? I I like the fun train, and um, I find that perspective really comforting, and it's kind of coming back for me to, you know, what you wrote in the book and how, again, how relatable Grace is, and how. Um, how real her life is, you know, and that this divine presence is still there. You know, I, I think there, I know for me, there's been a tendency to romanticize and I catch myself doing it, but romanticize what the past might've been like, you know, the far back past, which I, I mean, how the hell do we really know? Honestly, we don't know. We're all guessing. Right. Uh, we can imagine and certainly there's evidence that there is more egalitarian society. We don't know what kind of diseases were around. We don't know how long people were living. And also, you know, humans were still humans. We still had the same drama, like whatever, right? And we're not going backwards. We cannot right. go backwards. We exist in this plane, in this reality right now. So that has been an open inquiry for me just in my own life every day, you know, especially raising mm. two small kids and like trying to keep all this going. It's like how do we keep the sacred here? How do we presence it here right now with what we have? Cause that's right. That's the one, that's the one question, you know, I can't say like, Oh, I wish I, I wish it was like this or cause it's not that like, let's be real. This is what, what we've got. And so what are you going to do with that? Yeah. That's where we get to be creative, truly creative. Um, and and, you know, we can't compare with other people and what it seems like their experiences. We just have our own. And, and it's, it's, it's on me to, to find the magic. But it's not on me to put myself down or be, um, you know, hard on myself because I'm not doing enough. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm like, I, I didn't do all of this other stuff do what you can you do what you can and be kind to yourself yeah just be kind and some days are better than others yeah big whoop the sun comes up the next day yeah the goddess I know. And we start again 
Yes. Well, and I, I guess I, I, as you're talking, I was thinking too, and again, th thinking back to Grace and the book and her experiences and how, um, you know, if we, if we, if we take the path of fun and we, um, you know, we, so we can, we can say, for example, that we live in a very patriarchal society and this, this is a true statement. And yet we can also say that ain't no way you keeping the goddess down, right? This is also a true statement. She doesn't yes. go anywhere. Like she's never right. gone anywhere. She is here. So, you know, perhaps it's the game, the fun becomes like, where is she in this very patriarchal society? Like where am exactly. I going to see her today? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Where, where you're open to finding it and, and looking actively looking around and you'll be surprised you'll be so delighted it's like it's yeah it's like a little personal treasure hunt but she's she's there yeah I, i'm laughing because last night i uh, went out to dinner with my daughter and we were at this little restaurant and the little salt the little salt holder on the table had a had a like a virgin mary like little spoon Gosh. in it i'm like what are you doing here? Oh, I, love I just that. thought it was so cute. And, and, and I don't know, that just made me think of like, oh yeah, you'll find, you'll find these little things and not just tchotchkes, but uh, you will find her presence everywhere. Yes. You're reminding me so long ago, like early on this journey, which has been very mystical for me, lots of mysticism and things that I couldn't explain, you know, but I had, I was kind of trying all these things out and I, I had done this guided meditation, you know, which was one of the first times I'd ever done a guided meditation to like mm. go and seek something from a guide. And, right. um, you know, I ended up meeting an angel in this meditation and this angel gave me a heart shaped key. And I remember the time I was like, Oh my God, this is so cliche. It's an angel with a heart shaped key. I cannot believe wow. this is what my, my subconscious has produced. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, that's ridiculous. And, you know, I sort of set it aside and, um, and then I think it was like a week or two later, I, I was still in my corporate job and my corporate life. And I had gone to New York for a meeting with my team and we had gone out to dinner and, um, our waitress shows up and she's wearing these tiny little earrings with the heart-shaped keys on them. And I was like, Oh, this is the friend, you know, cause I mean, this was, <laughs> This is not a symbol that showed up in my life very often, you know, right. I was like, I was a very right. practical person. I don't mess around with heart shaped keys. That's just silly stuff, right. you know? And so I do remember wow. being like, Oh, what's going on here? This was, it was quite wonderful. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's the, that's, uh, that's the path. Yes. You can't really plan it out and like, okay, I'm going to go find this. It, these things come to you when you know when you have this attitude of uh openness yeah. to i want to meet the world in this way mm -hmm. have a have a conversation mm -hmm. and then like the like home to her you become yeah. that home yeah that place where she's always coming mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the way you said that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I know um, I want to take a little bit more of your time if that's okay, because I want to ask you just a, a little bit more about 
um, your work as a advocate around the idea of menstruation. And I'm curious, I'm asking, you know, as a, a mother of, of still young children, you know, who, you know, one of whom will be going through that at some point, but hasn't yet. But I'm curious in your work in that area, what, how do I want to say this? I, I want to say like, what were your biggest learnings or what were some of the stumbling blocks that you sort of encountered that you saw that were challenging for people and really embracing this? Like, um, is that any kind of wisdom around yes. that? Yes. Yes. Well, let's just say no matter how empowered women feel, it is still such a taboo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's changing a lot, but it's a deeply held taboo to either talk about the menstrual cycle, um, to have a positive attitude about it, all of these things. Um, I'll, I'll just tell you a, a quick anecdote. Um, I was at an International Women's Day conference several years ago as part of this nonprofit. And so, you know, we're giving out information and talking to people. And this um, older woman came up, very well dressed, very elegant. She, she came up and she just said, it's disgraceful what you're doing. How dare you talk about these things that are unmentionable and horrible? Why would you waste your time? And you know, I was shocked. Mm. Uh, and then, and and you know, then she went on, and I just, you know, looking at her face, I she had so much pain. Mm. She was holding so much pain around this, and 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 I wasn't going to be able to change her mind in that moment, but. Uh, she in some way embodied this deep voice that's um, that we have kind of many women have kind of inside yeah. about oh this is you know you just don't feel good and you know this is and and certainly many religions yeah. keep that idea going um, and so one of the things that I feel is important is for women to see how their cycles are um, important, but how they can work for them, like um, cycling awareness, like uh, the whole, the, I don't know if you've read any books by Miranda Gray. She's mm -hmm. phenomenal. She, she wrote a book called the optimized women. And it's the idea is that when you are, uh, kind of ovulating, like that's when you're in your alignment of like physical and spiritual power. And, and, and so she gives practices like, um, you know, this is a good time for asking for a raise or, you know, like making things happen. Whereas when you're uh, premenstrual, that's the time of like kind of finishing up projects and tidying things up and putting things away so that you can have this space to go inward for a couple of days to attend to yourself. And so this is kind of energetic cycling that, that we do. Uh, but I don't think very many young women or women know about it. Yeah. That, that that's actually like our power center that we can work with. And uh, so 
so I, I think the thing for me when I was working with girls and hearing their stories of their the first time they bled and to have them say like oh I thought I was dying or like I, I had to hide it or like I didn't tell I never told my mom and but mm -hmm. I think it doesn't have to be that way. It, you know we can look we we can change it but once again we can't look back and and uh, the old days and say okay we're all going to go into the hut for a week right um i i uh, <laughs> another anecdote my older daughter who's very practical when uh you know and i had all these books and things around the house and you know have your first moon we're gonna do this and she walked in the room. Well, I was on the phone, and she just walked in the room and walked walked through the room and said, oh, "I just started my period," and then walked out. And I'm on the phone. I'm like, "What? What?" And, and she's like, "And I don't want, I don't want any drums. I don't want any teepees. I don't want any. I don't want any of this. Like, I just, I just want to, I just want to go out and have, you know, a nice dinner." I said, "Fine. That's what we'll do." Oh so. You know, it was just very funny, um, but we, but our, our, especially for you as a mother of um, a girl, that you, you have the uh, opportunity to create something, and you can create it with the other women in your community, should you choose, or you can just do it on your own. It's part of, um, part of, rediscovering. Yeah you know, the way of, of honoring the feminine. Mm -hmm. There's, there's really no rules. Yes. I, I was going to say to, um, I feel like this relates back to everything we've been talking about and just kind of finding the, the sacred and the ordinary where we are now is that I, I've been reflecting on this idea lately that I've, I feel like in, in some ways we are very much in a, a moment in time and a generation in, and I'm speaking a lot of like, uh, you know, white American culture too, where we, we don't have like the spiritual roots, like we sort of lost it, like they're upended and that's sad in some ways. And it also is in a tremendous playground, a tremendous playground to figure out right. and, and to just throw stuff at the wall and see if it's going to work. Right. <laughs> and, right. um, you know, and that goes to like creating ritual and the ways in which we bring sacred into the world. And just maybe, I guess, I, I, and I'm offering this to myself as well as anybody else who needs to hear it, um, the flexibility to know like there is no getting it right. There's no way that it was, we, we can't really look at something like it was done this way. So we should be doing it this way. We don't right. have that. And so right. while that might give us guidance, we also have opportunity. So yes. And Absolutely. And, and the thing is, keep it simple. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be this whole complex, complicated thing. It, it's basically a way of bringing like the mind and the spirit into this uh, recognition of change or transition of some way of, of honoring. And so simple sometimes is the very best way to do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We were chatting about this before we started recording too, that, you know, again, like um, doing it simply, even if we don't know what our ancestors were doing, they probably were doing it simply because they didn't have the internet to, to 
<laughs> to order everything. They couldn't look up like 55 million different rituals you could do and a whole smorgasbord of spiritual practices and all these different tools and crystals you could order from all over the world. They couldn't do any of that. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. Right. But yeah. it came from the heart, whatever, yeah. you know, words from the heart and um, spontaneous actions. These things are, um, that's our toolkit that we have inside of us, yeah. of our creative life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So go have fun with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Make um, it your own. Yes, I love that. And that feels like a that feels like a perfect place to stop. Go have fun and make it your own, people. This is <laughs> our learning from the this particular podcast episode. Right. <laughs> Elspeth, thank oh. you so much for being here. This is so oh, fun it was so to be good. in conversation with you. Really good. Yay. I yes. loved it. Me too. Thank me you. too. And um, Elspeth's book is The Well of Truth, Stories of Spirit. So sometimes for those of you who are watching, my camera goes wonky when I put things up. It's not my face. So if I go blurry, but here you go. And if those of you who, I will put this in the show notes as well. Um, those of you who are listening you can always watch these episodes on youtube too if you just want to see what else beth and i look like here you can, you can tune in there too so um thank you to all of you for listening as always it's a pleasure to share these conversations with you if you like the show um do me a favor leave it a review um you can even get a stars you don't have you never have to write anything if you don't want to um subscribe tell your buddies about it you can do all those things Thank you again, Elspeth, for being here. Thank you. Yes. Have a wonderful rest of the day. I will. And to yes, to all of you, be well. And until next time, take good care. Right. Home to Her is hosted by me, Liz Kelly. You can visit me online at hometoher.com where you can find show notes and other episodes. You can read articles about the sacred feminine. And you'll also find a link to join the Home to Her Facebook group for lots more discussion and exploration of her. You can also follow me on Instagram at Home to Her to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you back here soon.